Hi, and welcome. Wendy and I just want to express our gratitude for all your lovely encouragement and ideas as we start discussing cosmism and planetary close encounters as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm completely new to all of these ideas and theories, whereas Wendy has a good couple of years on me. But together, we hope to spark conversation and serve as a guidepost to greater resources as we all prepare for the second coming. In these discussions, we are starting by having a book discussion of Anthony Larson's trilogy. These three books give a great primer to Velikovsky's paradigm shifts. We are so excited that you are interested and willing to go on this journey with us. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back for another episode. So tonight, uh, today, tonight, whatever, whenever you're listening to this, <laughs> um, we are talking about uh, chapter six in Anthony's book. And so this one deals with modern prophecy. So it, it really hinges on one quote uh, from Joseph Smith. And so um, uh, th this one's an awesome one. Uh, buckle up because uh, we're going to kind of approach it from lots of different angles as we read through Anthony's chapter here. So, um, on that note, before we begin, <laughs> my brain sometimes, um, <laughs> of our listeners, uh, uh, wrote to us and, and I'll share a couple more, uh, at the end of our podcast, but, uh, this one's applicable right here before we begin. The fact that, um, uh, we're treating this podcast, uh, much like a book club. Uh, this, uh, listener mentioned that, they're so lost in all of this new paradigm shift. And um, it seems like we're going very fast and, and kind of skipping over some of the key terms. And uh, they, they need a thesaurus and a dictionary to, to look up everything that, that we're mentioning here. So um, uh, that being said, uh, we, we, me and uh, Wendy are approaching this much like a book club. We assume that before you listen to any given uh, episode of our podcast, that you are reading the chapter in Anthony's book that uh, more fully explains some of those key concepts and, and definitions. Uh, he explains it in such a good way in, in the book. And so uh, taking that and, and actually doing some homework and kind of mulling on it, chewing it uh, through the week uh, before you listen to the, the podcast with us, because um, I don't know, we're, we're both kind of pressed for time. And so, uh, we're, we're not going, uh, as, as a full kind of classroom teaching from, uh, uh introduction to, to everything. We're, we're just diving in right with Anthony's, uh, thing and, and providing commentary on it. Um, it is my goal in the future to actually go back and, um, somewhat provide a beginner's guide or a glossary of terms uh, kind of a thing a, a helpful resource uh, to do that but uh, that has not been created yet so if you do feel lost or uh, overwhelmed with some of the the material that we're presenting uh, make sure to to go and read anthony's book um, there are um, you can purchase it there on mormonprophecy.com the ebook uh, version of it or uh, Amazon, Thrift Books, uh, many different uh, places will sell uh, very inexpensive copies, um, uh, as well as uh, recordings here and there that uh, you might find for free. So anyway, with that, <laughs> go back to my introduction of uh, Joseph <laughs> and, and what, why is cosmism important to Latter-day Saints. So how would you answer that question, Wendy? Like, why is it important to us and in our faith tradition and uh, our preparation for the Second Coming? 
oh, there's so many different levels to this. And so one of the most obvious to me is, is we read about the last days and the calamities through all the standard works. Whenever we're, we're going through um, and, and learning, you know, and come follow me, especially this year, it seems like almost every, every week there is some prophet um, prophesying about the last days and it's not a new thing. And it's almost like we've heard it so much that we're like, yeah, it's gonna happen. And yeah, we have some fear about it, but we're so excited to see the Lord, but we don't know how it's gonna happen. So we just have to wait and see kind mm -hmm. of a feeling. We, we don't, we haven't been given all the answers, but it, the thing is, is that if it's there so much, the Lord is telling us so many times and in so many ways, um, there are connections in the scriptures that you can make with cosmology, with cosmism and seeing that there are, are interactions between cosmic bodies that cause these things and that the Lord is working in his heavens um, by in, in ways that we don't currently experience, but they're there in scripture. If we open our eyes and pull our heads out of the sand and, and stop thinking that this, it hasn't been taught in Sunday school. So it, no, it's Joseph Smith talked about it. And the early saints, he taught them some things that I don't know if we'll get into it in this chapter, but there's so many of his contemporaries that pre preached these things. And it's, it's been lost to mm -hmm. us um, in, our in our tradition, in our faith tradition. So those things are going to be restored. And don't we need to ask don't we need to seek for us to receive answers? The Lord's not going to say, here's something we need to ask. He, he never, he's not, he's not the kind of God that pushes himself on us. We have to be asking and wanting, right? We need to say, okay, I want to know what's going to happen. So that's one level. The other level is as tough as temple, um, going people as a covenant people that we go to the temple, we need to see it in a deeper level that we don't see it unless we understand these things and um it's we can start to point out things in in ways but other ways it's so sacred it's almost like the lord needs to teach you it because it's it, it's beyond words even mm -hmm. so if if I, I don't know if anybody's frustrated with you know like i don't i hope you don't feel like we're dancing around the issue it's just it's something personal it's about you building your own theology because even though we all are, are Latter-day Saints, we all have a different understanding on our relationship with God. I think we went through that last time. So you have to do the, you have to do your work in this, in a sense, nobody, I, we can't just listen to a podcast and get it. Um, it's gotta be your own um, revelation that you receive about it and the Lord um, helping you with. And sometimes it might take a couple of times reading through the book um, looking at other resources that we've 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 put out there because why sh i don't feel like we should reproduce something that's already there mm -hmm. so it's 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 just something that if you feel like there is truth in it if you've um, prayed about it then um you can do it it's uh, it's not like it just has to be for smart people and it's not because it's a personal thing mm -hmm. so anyway that's kind of my take yeah because I'm on the, the side of things where I, I'm not the greatest scientific kind of person or uh, uh, natural laws and, and things like that. And so I, I immediately put it in a category of, 
Hmm. Well, I'm not going to understand it all, so I'm going to try to at least relate it as much as I can in a symbolic fashion or, or whatever. But really, when you put it to the test, when you go to the Lord, he'll start creating this curriculum or, or lesson plan for you and leading you in all the right directions, introducing you to the right people that uh, will will provide the framework that, that you might not have. It it's interesting how learning can be such a Zion-like activity because we're all being led and guided in very different ways. And when we come together and put our heads together and our experiences and, and mesh those and weave them together, then it, it creates this rich understanding. And um, anyway, I, yeah, I, I love uh, what you said there, just really being patient with it uh, because it's uh, kind of that oil in the lamp uh, type of preparation. It's not something that you can just share um, mm -hmm. unless other people are equally uh, putting forth effort and, and we're coming together to um, weave it into one great whole kind of a thing. Oh, yes. Beautiful. So um, as I was preparing for, for this one, I was going back over um, video number one of Anthony's um, uh, lessons there on modern uh, mormonprophecy.com and um, this screenshot really stood out to me um, as far as scriptural blind spots so he talks about them in the fact that when we come upon these in scripture we just go hmm cool that's over my head moving on so um, uh, much like John Pontius said in, in his books, that any time that you come upon something that you don't know or um, uh, that it, it's just beyond your current paradigm or, or framework, then that is one of the mysteries. And, and if it's being revealed to you as a mystery, then the Lord, the Spirit, and uh, they're... they're basically telling you that you're ready for it. If it's being introduced to you, if you're finally seeing it going, huh, I wonder what that is now, then it's something to unlock and it requires effort. And so uh, kind of taking that, that framework here and looking at the scriptural blind spots that Anthony poses, uh, we have Joshua's long day, and he has a whole YouTube video on, on most of these here, but uh, the Exodus events, uh, Revelations, symbols, Isaiah's prophecies, Ezekiel's vision, Daniel's vision, Zechariah, Joel, uh, uh, pretty much the whole of Genesis, <laughs> Second Peter, Matthew 24, DNC 133, DNC 88, DNC 45, the book of Abraham, the Egyptian facsimiles, and, and Joseph Smith's words, which we'll uh, tackle part of uh, today. But uh, I look at all of those going, hmm, the Lord has really led me along uh, many of those, uh, even just like this past year, giving me little tidbits here and there of, of some of those scriptural blind spots that we, we typically have because we might not have put forth effort into them into the past or we are now prepared because we have the prerequisites or, or some of the framework uh, in order to finally have those revealed to us uh, piece by piece as, as we are learning. So... Without further ado, let's let's go ahead and actually read uh, Joseph Smith's quote here that um, uh, Anthony says, in light of Velikovsky's thesis, this is most interesting, uh, it says, It is not the design of the Almighty to come upon the earth and crush it and grind it to powder. There will be wars and rumors of wars, signs in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. The sun turned into darkness and the moon to blood, earthquakes in diverse places the seas heaving beyond their bounds. 
Then will appear one grand sign of the Son of Man in heaven. But what will the world do? They will say it is a planet, a comet, etc. So, um, Wendy, what do you make of this quote? I know that you were saying uh, some of the, the background behind it and, and things. So, like, introduce us to um, what is here and, and how relevant or reliable is this quote? So lots of signs about um, in, in the, the center of that, you know, um, with, with the destructions that are going to come upon um, on all of us, really. We're going to experience them. Um, excuse me, my heater just turned on and it's kind of loud. <laughs> so, okay. All right. So, um, and we hear, uh, we hear those a lot in scriptures, right? We hear um, of those prophecies, but to have him, Joseph Smith say, and in conjunction with what's going on, then will appear one grand sign of the son of man in heavens. And that's after a semicolon, after talking about all these things, you know, looking at the, the, the placement of, <laughs> there's a semicolon, then will appear um, one grand sign of the son of man in heaven. But what will, will the world do? They will say it is a planet, a comet, etc. So I love how he's pointing out that there's cosmological things happening um, in the skies that are causing these things. Like you're gonna, feel, you're gonna have the experience happening and, and then you see, um, you, you see it. So you feel the, the effects before you actually see the cause in, in, a, in a way. Um, but it's interesting because he doesn't say that um, there will appear a planet or a comet. He says one grand sign of the son of man in heaven. So he's, he, and the world will say it's a planet or a comet. So he's saying, this is what the world, this is the, this is how the world understands these things. But this is how the Lord sees things is not just as planets and comets. He sees that they're under his control and that they're, they're, that those things testify of the son of God. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And we don't see it like that. We see a planet, we see a, or, or a comet. But it's, so that's just one way I see is how, the, how Joseph Smith sees these things differently than we do. And how can we change our understanding as well? And we need to take that paradigm shift. Um, and so it's also interesting at the very end, I said, they will say it as a planet, um, a comet, comma, et cetera. So I think we're gonna go into that about the interesting, I like how he put his, his thesis of how he kind of goes around and looks at uh, those sentences but that's kind of what i see as i look through that mm -hmm. yeah i love it um so as he yeah let me just quote from him it says perhaps the most obvious aspect of this statement is that the comet or planet uh, which is the cause is directly associated with the signs of destruction which are the effects it's interesting to note that the signs enumerated by the prophet such as the sun turning dark, etc., are identical to the phenomena associated with the events of the Exodus, which Velikovsky attributed to just such a planet-like comet. And um, the, the world will refuse to recognize it as a sign. How could a comet or a planet elicit any special notice or comment unless it were doing the unexpected or the unusual? 
And so, um, I don't know, it, it just makes so much sense reading uh, Anthony's take on, on this whole chapter here of what this might look like, because, I, I don't know, I've just never understood it or um, uh, understood the, the framework behind it. But uh, kind of going through, um, what was it, chapter two or three with the, with the Exodus and, and all of that, and kind of uh, playing that out in an end time scenario, it, uh, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, so this next section, he talks about, um, uh, kind of our solar system, uh, a, a general rundown. I, I won't go through all of it, but, um, this one paragraph, he talks about the difference between long period comets and short period comets, which I, I had no type of framework for, but, um, long period comets are, um, visible or uh, observable um, <laughs> uh, over long periods of time like it's going to be thousands of years before we see it again versus short period comets they have smaller orbits bringing them within sight you know once or twice each century and so there's um, a possibility that this grand sign could be a, a, a long-term or a long period comet that uh, may have passed by uh, at an earlier uh, millennia, but we don't even know or have a framework of when it might return because we don't have it measurable with our, our current um, instruments um, in, in in deep space kind of a thing. So, yeah. you know, the way the way they um, can see comics is because as they're coming closer to the sun, um, well, they, they, they think it's um, sublimation of basically that's an icy rock right that's what we've always thought comets are is they're, they're this icy body and so they get close to the sun and so you're seeing that tell the comet is is basically the ice coming off it but it's actually an electrical phenomenon that as it's coming close to the sun it's um it's comet is it's not sublimation it's there's a there's an electrical um phenomenon that that you see right and so when they're long period comets and they're way out in their orbit um, you're not going to see them as, until they get closer. You know what I mean? And so they're always watching the skies, actually. They're watching the skies for these things so they can, um, they are worried about it, actually. They're, in, I don't should say worried about it, but they've done experiments. NASA's done experiments of, um, you know, sending, how, how to blow up something in space if it's on a trajectory towards Earth. You know, they're doing those kinds of experiments. So, um, so yeah, they're always watching, um, because that's definitely uh, a possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, I, <laughs> weird uh, tangent or whatever, but like, when Space Force was created, I was like, really? Like, what the heck are we even doing? But um, realizing that uh, multiple people, multiple groups and, and faith backgrounds or government agencies and stuff are actually looking at, at space as... Um, as an active thing to be um, uh, putting money and energy and, and effort into uh, the study of it, you know, much like NASA and, and things. I know uh, many of, of my circles of friends and, and things are think everything's uh, corrupt, which, you know, they, there's definite uh, corruption going on. But um, the fact that, that they're also uh, investigating and, and worried about it is, is kind of an interesting uh, take on, on all of this. Yeah. Um, 
And then this paragraph uh, was new to me. It says, it is well known that the orbits of Uranus and Pluto intersect. Which, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I guess I didn't do that. I didn't know that. Whatever. Okay, well known. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it says that these two bodies could conceivable, conceivably perturb one another, upsetting the equilibrium that exists at present in the solar system. So just thinking about that. Hmm. Uh, so we have like planet things that could be happening. We have comet things, even long period comets that might be uh, pointing at it. But uh, uh, he sums it up here. The point is the mechanism for such a planetary encounter is already in place. And such a thing could occur according to natural law. Um, and just studying, you know, the uh, the way that God works, nothing is coincidence. He's always putting patterns forth and he's got everything in motion for the prophecies to, to play out and for um, the, the the gathering of Israel here upon the earth, which is our part of, of the deal, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this, this section on important terminology it says, it is also interesting to note that according to the prophet's statement, there will be some confusion as to whether the great sign is a comet or a planet. And, uh, you know, these are very <laughs> key terms uh, to understand because I, I didn't know these at all. Um, it, this would seem to indicate that the body will be large, like a planet, and yet look and behave like a comet. And so um, the characteristics of a comet is that it has a tail and in its elliptical orbit. And a planet is, is due to size and, and in its orbit as well. And so the statement by the prophet Joseph Smith also gives a clear indication of the nature of the great sign. For he used both the term comet and the term planet. And so, yeah, I, I don't know that I ever knew exactly what a comet was. I just know that it's something that streaks across the sky kind of thing, but uh, that it has a tail and, and an elliptical orbit there. Much like we've seen when we were describing the, the Exodus and uh, Velikovsky's things there. Yeah. So what do you make of um, the, this part about Elijah here in, in this next section here, um, where, you know, the Lord has declared that were Elijah not to come, the whole earth would be utterly wasted as his coming. How does this relate to cosmism and, and this section that, that he's uh, talking in, and bringing about this subject? Mm, a question. So we take heart, we may take heart that Elijah has come and the, the Lord does not wish to destroy the earth, right? Utterly wasted doesn't, it just means that there, what was the purpose? <laughs> I think, I think of that as one. It's like when he, he's trying to save his children, that's his purpose. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, it is clear that the upheavals to attend his coming will be devastating. And so I think we should take heart in that, right? He's yeah. not meaning to crush the earth. That's what prophet Joseph Smith said. You know, it's not that he's going to grind us to powder here. It's going to be, our paradigm is going to be changed. And so, um, I said to the prophet Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail, God hath set his hand and seal to change the times and seasons. Wow. Yeah. And, and we, and, and it's going to, it's going to be difficult, but wow. You know, in Isaiah talks about that too. Like, um, how the, um, you know, the, was it the King of Babylon or somebody else is going to seek to change the times and the seasons. 
mm-hmm. too. And it's interesting, like um, playing God, you know, who's going to be trying to change the times and the seasons. Um, I don't know, Elon Musk wants to go. Well, I don't know. He's kind of crazy, but he's like, we need to terraform Mars. We need to move, you know, we need to get, to get people to Mars. So let's go nuke the planet. You know, we got to get some of that ice up in the atmosphere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> some really crazy. Uh, some people think they're God it wants to change the times and the seasons um, of Mars. Definitely. But I'm, I'm, I don't know. Sorry. That was a weird tangent, but the Lord is going to do these things. That's what he's going to do. And how and then this is, uh, Larson says, how we might ask, could such a change be brought about? Could the earth's rotation or declinations be altered? Perhaps length of its orbit and some be changed possibly um, because that's happened in the past. And, and the key to prophecy is understanding that um, and, and um, looking at the patterns, right? We, that's why we have so many scriptures and so many visions of the prophets a lot of scriptures are are visions um Mm -hmm. of those things um so so yeah those those things are going to change and that's going to be okay Mm -hmm. so i don't know if that was helpful (laughs) yeah i really like how we have so many instances of this in scripture prophesying of the last days that that times and seasons are going to change and and who's really in charge like you said uh, I, I mean we have conspiring men and and all of that but it, it's really god god's got everything under control and and he's in charge of it um and that quote there is, is from dnc 121 god has set his hand and seal to change the times and seasons he's done it in the past and he will do it at the end as well yeah. and so um I, I think that when he brings up elijah here it it, it pulls my my brain right back to uh, elijah and the priests of baal what were they trying to do they they thought they knew how to pull down the fire from heaven and uh, get everything there, but but only God and His chosen representative will be able to actually do it. Um, oh, amen. Uh, based upon natural laws and working with God in priesthood authority, and so yeah, it, it's just so interesting how much Elijah pops up um, as a pattern for for the end times. Uh, studying mm-hmm. him in the Old Testament this year was just eye-opening and i hadn't had a, a cosmism a cosmological type of uh, perspective when i went through it yet uh but um and i don't mm. i can wait for four more years to, to go through it again <laughs> i'm gonna go have to read all of his stories with that specific thing in mind but yeah. um anyway it's just interesting how he keeps popping up as one of the great types of, of the last days hmm. and and uh on a on a level on a personal level you know you think of the symbolism of that and, and Elijah is, has come to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children, right? Unless the earth, you know, um, could be cursed. But in the, in the I think there's a footnote there. Um, doesn't the prophet Joseph Smith add somewhere, and maybe it's in the DNC, that it's, that the, that the covenant made to the, that the promises made to the fathers. It's the promises made to the fathers. Um, will be remembered by the children and the children to the past. So there's the promise of the covenant. The covenant is going to be reestablished. The covenant's going to be remembered. Um, and so what is what is the sign? What is the symbol of covenants? It's a pillar, a pillar, a fire that Elijah called down from heaven to, to consume the sacrifice 
Um, and, and, and there was a circle of water around that mm -hmm. as well. And I mean, it wasn't just to put the priests of Baal to shame or to prove a point. There is symbolism in that. Yeah. A, a circle around an altar. That is, that there is, there are, are um, and, and then a pillar of fire coming down from heaven um, to, to make a covenant with those here on the earth. It's the Lord in his heavens descending to us and asking us to ascend, to, to, um, to be different than this world, to, to think differently than this world. We're going to be a peculiar people and to have a peculiar understanding. Um, and, and can we feel that in our hearts? Do, does he own our hearts? You know, are, are we one with him in, in mind and in thought and um, have an eye single to his glory? To his glory. I mean, these things are glorious, not just glorious because they're amazing, but it's his glory is coming down. He's descending to us. And um, anyway, so anyway, I just love the, the level of that too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thinking about yeah. Elijah and the pillar of fire and covenants and being sealed in temples to our loved ones and, and to, to Zion. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, in a, a temple training meeting that we had as, as temple workers, uh, our uh, president uh, gave a, the most amazing talk that was um, really dissecting out uh, the scriptures and the patterns behind uh, the keys of Elijah. And what does it mean to turn the, uh, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers and, and the promises of the fathers and, and all of that. And he brought out some fantastic points that we often kind of put it in a box and uh, either don't worry about it or misinterpret it and don't uh, pull the full ramifications of it. But how much all of our forefathers, Abraham, Father Enoch, like they have made covenants to come forth again during the last days to help us in all of the things that are going to, to happen prior to the second coming. Um, you know, like the city of Enoch, they were able to, to be translated to be received up into heaven for one specific purpose, which was to help at the end times, because they seen exactly what we were going to be going through and they covenanted with the Lord. Let us help. We need to be there. We need to, to help them. And so the, you know, in, in light of electrical universe and the, the tie that, well, I, let's see, the, the symbolism of it being pulled out of the earth and having a, an umbilical cord of, uh, mm. uh in, in the symbolism there, like they still mm -hmm. have ties to the earth and, and being drawn back in order to, um, to help us through all of the the cataclysms and and the electrical phenomena that that will be happening in the the end time i, I think is very interesting but without that kind of a, a framework or or, or mm -hmm. paradigm shift you know we we get some of the symbolism but not all of it and so um mm -hmm. anyway I, I just think that there's so much with the keys of elijah that we have yet to fully unlock um uh, oh yeah <laughs> so true an umbilical cord to two celest different celestial, I mean, there's a pillar of fire right there. Mm -hmm. You know, from from a what somebody in a higher level to a lower. I mean, there's there's covenant connection there. They they're connected to us. They've made a covenant, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I love that. 
Awesome. And, and we actually have to turn our hearts to them in order for those promises to, to be uh, in, in full effect and to, to actually channel the, the powers of, of God through the covenants. In the ordinances thereof, the, the power of godliness is manifest. And, oh, yeah. Could we pray them here? Don't we need to be praying for them? To, exactly. Do, do we want them to come back? I mean, yeah. do we want Jesus to come back? I really think I friend had a vision or something she told me about. I can't remember if it was a dream or a vision, but she's like, we need to pray for Jesus to come. We need to just start right. We need, and it says years ago, she's like, we need to pray that he'll come, not be like, it's going to be the last days, you know? Mm-hmm. We have to want yeah. the city to come back. We need to pray Jesus here. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And so, um, not to always be pulling um nope, keep going. Temple, <laughs> temple references into it and everything but um like just yesterday i was um on one of my breaks in in the temple going um okay what do i need to study and uh my brain was kind of going back to the lectures on faith book club that um uh, learning zion went through and uh section 88 and, and i was just going through it um trying to to pull this kind of stuff out of it i mean because there's a lot of obvious things right <laughs> obvious okay. sections which i think we'll talk about here at the, at the end but there is so many of those uh what anthony called scriptural blind spots in um section 88 that we just kind of gloss over because it seems to kind of be bouncing around from tangent to tangent throughout that section but if we weave the cosmological thread through the whole thing in reference to the school of the prophets what were they wanting they were asking the lord specifically for knowledge uh, about zion and what did he give them he gave them this and this and this and uh, all of these things to prepare them for the school of the prophets saying in the school of the prophets you will learn all of this, what we're studying here now, and and this whole paradigm shift, and yeah. oh my gosh, like section eighty-eight was blowing my mind yesterday. It, oh, I'm so, <laughs> I have glad. so many notes and, and things to, to go down and stuff, but yeah, it, it it's amazing how much we have in our scriptures. It's not in some esoterical source or apocryphal writing. It, it's just just study the doctrine and covenants with this paradigm, and and you'll be richly blessed. <laughs> Yes, the prophet Joseph Smith taught taught them in the school of the prophets these things. I, I truly believe that. And it's there if you have eyes to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. And it turns from a blind spot into a, whoa, <laughs> this is, it, it just kind of uh, clarifies and, and it's just amazing. So um, the next section here uh, talks about the major changes coming. Um, so according to Velikovsky, many ancient sources recorded. Um, so this is, you know, Exodus time and uh, surrounding uh, all of the different ages that, that changed. But that the seasons had been changed. Uh, this is from the papyrus uh, Anastasi. The winter is come as summer. The months are reversed and the hours are disordered. And um, from the texts of Taoism... Uh, this source declared that the breath of heaven is out of harmony. The four seasons do not observe their proper times. Uh, from an ancient text in Mexico, the order of the seasons was altered at that epoch. Um, we have many different uh, sources here. The uh, Yeah, let me uh, read this whole paragraph here. Um, this is quoted from um, Worlds in Collision uh, from Velikovsky, but it's, it's referencing the Papyrus Anastasi IV. 
It says, with the fall of the Egyptian Middle Kingdom and the Exodus, one of the great world ages came to its end. The four quarters of the world were displaced, and neither the orbit nor the poles, nor probably the direction of rotation, remained the same. The calendar had to be adjusted anew. The astronomical values of the year and the day could not be the same as before, and after an upheaval in which, as quoted by the papyrus Anasazi IV says, the months were reversed and the hours distorted. And so when Joseph Smith is now talking about an alteration in the times and seasons, it makes it all the more re relevant knowing that God has done it in the past and he can do it in the future kind of thing. And so... I don't know. It just makes so much sense now with that framework mm -hmm. of because uh, we're just kind of raised with the, the gradualistic perspective of, of the universe. Everything's existed for thousands and millions and billions of years. Oh, yes. But we have marked differences and we have record of them, not just in our Christian uh, or Judaic uh, Christian view, but mm -hmm. all cultures of the earth have different uh, accountances of this. You know, I think these are some of the plain and precious things that were removed. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. The, people in the past would, there's probably more memory that they had um, with these things, but we've gone through such an apostasy of truth and, mm -hmm. and things being taken out. We have no clue what's going on. And um, I'm, yeah, it's. It's glad I'm glad we still have so many other records, you know, that we can we can turn to and, and see these things. Yeah. So, um, like two different kind of tangents off of that, where if you're really wanting to dive into some of these other cultures and what they said about these epochs changing, etc., um, Velikovsky's book, The Worlds in Collision, is probably one of your best resources, at least a, a primer, um, and you can look at all of his footnotes and go to the original sources on everything, but that one goes through all of these different papyruses and um, different things all over the world, uh, taking a look at that. Um, but looking just at our own uh, scriptures, you know, uh, approaching this from uh, LDS perspective here as saints, that... Um, just look at the Hebrew Bible. Uh, what is one of the first things that happens coming out of the Exodus? And, and if the world had just went through a major upheaval, times and seasons have changed. God issues them a new calendar with new feasts and festivals to observe and, and says, hey, That's I'm going to do this on the the first day of the first month. And I'm going to do this on this day and this and stuff. And you will observe these things as your new calendar. You know, um, many people have tried to, to mess, mesh and merge the Enoch calendar and the, the Jewish calendar and our modern calendars all together. And nothing meshes because it's, it's a different thing. Like we measure time based upon the sun and the moon. And if everything has changed, even rotations or um, different uh, elliptical orbits, etc., then we can't measure time in, in the same way. And, and it just makes so much sense when um, we talk about that God is, is kind of beyond time because he doesn't observe, um, let's see, not observe, but uh, he has a different perspective of time than we do because we're sitting here on this earth with this sun and, and this moon, with this distance and, and and orbits and stuff like, and it changes on uh, from time to time, from millennia to millennia. That um, 
God is so much in charge uh, of all of it. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know where those two rants came from, but uh, I, I just find it so interesting that we have sources, we have uh, documentation that it has changed and that it will change again, and we have to be prepared for that. Yes. The evidence is out there. It's just, you know, you have friends that have, you know, um, conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm this is a big one <laughs> it's a lot of things have been pushed under the rug and and maybe maybe it's just been people that are like just shaming other people like what do you know what you're talking about I mean it happens all the time for there to be any big paradigm shift um even in science it, it's got to have a lot a lot of backing to to change people's minds which is really sad but um but anyway yeah there's there's so much truth out there we just have to be willing to to look away from the mainstream to, to, um, and, and find enough sources, right. To, to corroborate it all. And I think we've gone through that in the first two, I think, um, podcasts, if anybody wants to go back and listen, but so <laughs> much evidence, so much, yeah. you can, you can find it out. The Lord will help you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of, uh, emphasizing that point here in this next section, it talks about the end of peace. And so it says, furthermore, in the first section of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord declares, and this is verse 35, that the hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand when peace shall be taken from the earth. And so I, I really like Anthony's commentary here. It says this revelation was received 1831. Of course, the Civil War was as yet future as were two world wars but innumerable other wars but incessant wars had plagued the earth for centuries it almost seems unreasonable for the lord in 1831 to speak of taking peace from the earth when there would have been no peace to speak of for centuries war would be nothing new so even if the or even the terrible destruction of modern warfare what then was he speaking of it is very likely that he was referring to the cataclysms associated with the return of the savior this planet and its inhabitants have enjoyed a prolonged period of peaceful continuance wherein nothing has disrupted the day-to-day -day, or day-in day-out rotation of the planet for centuries the prophesied destruction would bring an end to the earth's quiet existence and that just like resonated uh, so much with me as like yeah i mean even just like my personal generation like i i don't remember world war two or or anything but like we have had like this relatively uh peaceful era i mean i know that there's there's distant wars and everything but like i'm very kind of sheltered um from the uh impacting uh, effects of of war and yeah. so i can kind of understand that whole uh paradigm of uh the this whole uh, since since christ has uh uh, his his mortal ministry, death and resurrection, since that kind of cataclysm, we've had a relatively <laughs> peaceful yeah. um, era of cosmological activity, but that that peace will, shall be taken from the earth. And there's going to be a lot of uh, men's hearts failing them in, in the days because there's going to be so much that we just don't understand or have a framework for due to this long period of peace. And so um, I, I take a lot of comfort in the prophecy and promise that if ye are prepared you shall not fear like mm -hmm. <laughs> if we have to live off manna again uh like we talked about in in the exodus that's petroleum <laughs> from the sky but yeah. uh, the lord will take care of us and yeah. there's going to be a lot of things that are kind of scary but 
we got this. If yeah. We're on the Lord's side. It's so true. Um, the Lord said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If we give him our heart, if he's in our heart, and I love how uh, Leland Tanner over at his blog, um, I don't know if we can link to his third um, yeah. his third thesis there um, about how, how your, if, when your heart is fully converted and, and basically tuned in to the Lord as like your own personal cosmology, are you in alignment with him? Right, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's, I like how he also talked about how the heart is, is kind of like the seer stone of the body too. So like, um, do you hear him? Do you really hear him here? And, you know, here, but can you find peace with him in, in those situations? And it's, it takes some practice and it's not easy, but, um, but, but he, he is the author of peace and he will, he will come to us. And sometimes that's the, really the, the time that I felt him the most was in those, those really, um, hard times. So, mm -hmm. so he'll be with us. Yeah. It'll be great. It's very hopeful. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> if, if we're not, uh, vigilant, sometimes we can kind of be taken back with, with fear, with some of these prophecies and, and things that are uh, going mm -hmm. to come, but, uh, having that peace with us and, uh, faith, uh, knowing that, uh, with the Lord's help, we can in endure all things and, and be prepared for it. Even, um, it's more of an offensive approach rather than a defensive approach, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, continuing on with, with modern revelation, here's a couple quotes. Uh, this one is from DNC 88, and we'll, we'll tackle one in DNC 49 here in a second. But um, that, yeah, let me just read the whole thing. So this is verses 87 through 91 and also 93. Uh, and Anthony quotes all these here. It says, for not many days hence the earth shall tremble, and reel to and fro as a drunken man, and the sun shall hide his face, and shall refuse to give light, and the moon shall be bathed in blood, and the stars shall become exceedingly angry, and shall cast themselves down as a fig hath fallen, uh, as a fig that falleth from off a fig tree. And after your testimony cometh wrath and indignation upon the people. For after your testimony cometh the testimony of earthquakes that shall cause groanings in the midst of her, and men shall fall upon the ground and shall not be able to stand. And also cometh the testimony of the voice of thunderings, and the voice of thunderings, and the voice of tempests, the voice of waves and seas heaving themselves beyond their bounds, and all things shall be in commotion. And surely men's hearts shall fail them, for fear shall come upon all people. And immediately there shall appear a great sign in heaven, and all people shall see it together. So referencing that DNC 88 that I was talking about, that I was connecting with, yeah. like that's the obvious one. That's the <laughs> very mm -hmm. uh, powerful uh, cosmic view there in that section. But looking at the context in which it was given and all of the surrounding verses, um, so impactful okay. uh, taking a, a whole deep dive you know someday we, we should probably do that just do a, a deep dive on dnc 88 but yeah that's interesting because last week i was i was reading that maybe i should read it this week but i i just felt to read it last week and i remember that it was i think mm -hmm. i talked about it last time too huh uh -huh. it's so good and and then the context of what the what it says in the next chapter you know about how joseph smith indicated that that great sign would be what people would call a comet a planet Mm-hmm. So yeah. Good. Love it. Um 
And then um, this one from DNC 49 it says, Wherefore, be not deceived, but continue in steadfastness, looking forth for the heavens to be shaken, and the earth to tremble and reel to and fro as a drunken man. Like, I want to do a, a word study on drunken man uh, in DNC, mm -hmm. because, I mean, it seems like Joseph Smith is always talking about the earth reeling like a drunken man, right? And mm -hmm. for the valleys to be exalted, and for the mountains to be made low, and for the rough places to become smooth, and all this when the er, er when the angel shall sound his trumpet. Oh, so, love that! Yeah, it's so amazing. Look at the look at the beginning of that. I mean, I don't know if this is a good chiasmic <laughs> study. I'm just like, be, be nice, but continue steadfastness, looking forth for the heavens to be shaken, um, and looking for that sound of that trumpet. Um, from the from an angel right sound is trumpet and, and what will those things cause all those things between it right <sighs> so this is a totally random thing do you have anything else like on that i just had like this like no it's fine you keep thinking about that train of thought but it's just it's just really cool how he's it it's the heavens that are shaking that are causing these things too i mean he starts right out you know but, but look for those things listen for that trumpet, look at the like we talked about the sound, right? There's going to be sound associated with these things too, um, and and that when we see it, we will know it for what it is, and that we won't be also deceived because there's got to be all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. so, there's got to be the glory of God connected to it. All right, so now you've got to share what you're going <laughs> to. <laughs> okay, so I I think I somewhat kind of mentioned this in an earlier podcast. But it didn't, the full thing didn't dawn on me until just barely. But um, when we were talking about temples and the aerial photos of the temples, right? And Twin Falls is uh, a very basic Scandinavian design temple. Uh, like, it, it doesn't have all of the the frou-frou flowers and, and beautiful things that many of the other temples have. And um, one day, uh, quite a few years ago, I was looking at the aerial view and I'm like, hmm, this is kind of interesting but I didn't get it until now. I just thought it was like a cool kind of like trumpet motif or whatever in the grounds. But yeah, let me show this with you. So this is the, the Twin Falls Temple, sorry. Um, Twin Falls Temple um, pointing uh, eastward. And so um, they, they've changed a, a little bit of this, but anyway, you have like this, this grand circle here, but look at the, the fence pattern. The fence is an undulating wave-like pattern issuing from it. And yes. I, was, I always just took it as, oh, this is the temple that sends out lots of, you know, Idaho farm boy missionaries to, to proclaim the, the gospel and kind of sound forth like a trumpet. But now I'm like, no, we're, I mean, if, if you take this and, and <laughs> rotate it 90 degrees, I mean, we're looking at polar configuration. We're looking at lots oh. of different imagery, right? Oh, there's a plasma column between two celestial bodies. You yeah, see that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's like, a plasma connect. Yeah. And and vibration. It's not just plasma, but there's sound. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And originally we did not have a water feature at our temple. You know, most temples have some sort of fountain or whatever, but they okay. did put that one in um, uh, just, a, I think it was two years ago. Um, oh, they, yeah. they inserted this uh, kind of garden with a, a water feature here. And anyway, just how it all plays into the the plasma and I, I mean, just everything and that undulating fence. Because most temples just have 
a, a straight fence, point A to point B kind of thing. But this one, I mean, they took great care to make it. Uh, yeah, that's not easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's the point of it? <laughs> there must be a point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and even the base here that, that goes out to the road and everything, like, oh, my word. I, yeah. I, I didn't quite get it until you were just talking there. And I'm like, I don't, I, it just popped in my head. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to go I gotta pull that up again. <laughs> See, th that, that is revelation when the spirit, like, makes a connection for you. You're like, uh -huh. yes! <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes I'm like, are we remembering things? I mean, did we, I think we, I think, I think we were, we're schooled in these things and it's not just, we're learning it. I think we're remembering. That's how it feels to me. Oh, that's awesome. I, sometimes I wish we could just do a study on like aerial view of temples or like symbolism in, in on temples or uh -huh. pictures of inside, because it's so cool. Every, every temple is a little bit different, but the fountain feature, that's really important because there is the, the water is often when in scripture, when it talks about water um it's referring to that connection that that um it flows you know plasma is is the fourth matter it's, it's been um designated as a um fourth state of matter right the thing yeah. is is it doesn't contain atoms um it's just electrical charge or or ions but um but it's it can it can flow because of that and it's it's not it doesn't behave like things on this earth, like in a matter state that we think this is natural and normal, but out in the universe there, it's mostly plasma. Mm -hmm. and, and so anyway, it's just, it's interesting, but it's even inside of us, there's more space than there is actual matter. Yeah. And, and how, why things flow, they, they still don't understand in our bodies why there's this electrical, you know, there, there's definitely electrical things going on things passing through membranes you know because of electrical charge but they're trying to understand it in a chemical way you know why these things are but there's there's plasma flowing in us that's why we're all connected to uh, the lord you know there's it's not just out there it's inner it's an inner inner state too so as we're connected with the lord through our plasma call you know what i mean like not i don't know it's just there is there's so much symbolism to um to this that i wish we could we could talk about it more could you link the little um video that a friend sent me um and um it, it's it goes through goes through um what i was just kind of sharing about plasma and also and in, in a way that i think a lot of the viewers might like and references another book that if you want a little bit more uh deep study he's got another book he's got a couple of different books but he basically goes through his book and he talks about about it to um a lady that's really known for her astrological um studies and having people on about ast astrology which i'm not super into but i think there's probably something to it it just hasn't been an interest of mine i like knowing how of uh, the, the science and the spiritual side of things mm -hmm. anyway so maybe that would be interesting to some listeners um and I just keep having something come into my mind. If that's okay, we, we talk about it briefly. Um, with the circles um, and, and talking about, uh, about um, you know, circle representing the spiritual. And a lot of times square is, is representing like the body, the physical, right? And, mm -hmm. and wanting to work. Anyway, there's that, that conjunction of it, though, that's important. Um, 
one one day a couple of weeks ago, I woke up and I was I was thinking about our upcoming podcast. But tell me, stop me if I have if I shared this, but I was I was contemplating sound and um, why you know you know of course we don't we're not going to hear it as as well in space because there's not a lot of matter um, because it's it happens because it's vibrating through something right. And, and then it clicked with me. Well, I have a body and therefore work can be done in my body that, 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 that there's important work that has to be done that, that, that can only happen here on the earth because of that matter. And so with the sound happening, you know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't know how to describe it because it was, it was a spiritual impression, but it's like the Lord, um, bringing knowledge is the glory of God um, coming more and more on this earth and more and more upon us and changing our bodies and changing the earth. And as that's, it's literally his word, um, the Lord changing us, but it's like, a, it has to happen in matter in our, in our bodies. So anyway, and on the earth, so I don't know, that's way out. I didn't think I was going to be talking about that because I don't have it articulated. It was just a thought. Um, and a feeling like how important that is. So I don't know. Yeah, right. yeah. So. there's so many fun that, things that um, come out of nowhere, and you're just like, huh, wow, that it's a, it's a download, but like, still thinking about the it. articulation <laughs> of it is is the hardest part of the whole. Yes, thing. it is. <laughs> I love it though. I, I'm super excited to to revisit that in my own uh, studies this week. Um, so, uh, Anthony kind of finalizes his thing here talking about, um, uh, the similarities of, of the patterns. And, and so notwithstanding its clarity and simplicity, the doctrine and covenants and other modern re revelation contain the same metaphors used by the prophets of old. And, um, I, I, that's just such a, a great way to, to sum it up that God works in patterns and, and that's how we know the, the fruits of of the prophets and if they are working by divine patterns then then we can know that they are sent from god and 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 know these things right uh looking at the the words of president nelson uh our book club having went through that and um really studied in depth all of his his words was so profound i wish i had a cosmological perspective before we did that but um never hurts to go back and, and do it again but looking that he is fulfilling all of the divine patterns of the past and um, looking at uh, temple architecture, you know, the conference center roof, you know, we'll get into that uh, eventually when we are studying Anthony's things, but that the patterns are consistent and, and they're always there. It's just if we have eyes to see and, and ears to hear um, some of these things. Um, yeah, I, I just love it. So one thing that, that you had mentioned that you want to talk about is is the, the Philo Dibble uh, drawing and, and all of that. Would you like to kind of introduce that in line with the importance of Joseph Smith and his understanding of um, cosmology? Sure. So I've um, found this. Um, it's taken from the book, The Lost Tribes by R. Clayton Baugh. B-O-U-G-H, um, pages 51 through 55. And it, it's uh, more of a, uh, well, I'll just read it. But anyway, just as a little background to it, um, the title of it is The Location of the Lost Tribes as Told by Philo Dibble. 
um, who was the a bodyguard to the Prophet Joseph Smith. So um, there was a lot of early saints that thought, and I don't know if Joseph Smith taught, and you got to keep in mind that a lot of early saints, um, there was there's cosmological things they, they talked about. So it says the narrow neck proposition, a sub theory associated with the unknown planet theory, but somewhat removed from its basic premise that the last 10 tribes are now supposedly on quote, a portion of the earth that has been quote, separated, detached or taken away from our globe and placed on some other planet or sphere or on another near another star somewhere in the universe is the, called the narrow neck proposition. Now, this isn't something that I, I don't know how you feel, but this is just what it says in here. But I think it's interesting to note that they, they, that there's other theories out there. And I don't know if you've heard, you've heard of some of these, but um, that narrow neck of land is important um, to those two spheres. And you think of that plasma column that we're talking about. Um, it's, it's attached to the earth by a narrow neck of land are two spheres, which vary in size. Oh, good. You found something because I don't have an image. Um, one which is connected to the earth north of the North Pole and the other which is connected to our globe south of the South Pole. So if somebody's, um, if you're looking at this on the video, you can see it. But if you're not, you can go in and just look up Philo Dibble drawing um, Joseph Smith and this will come up. This proposition is based on a, on a drawing which the prophet Joseph Smith supposedly drew about the year 1842 and which was later secured and preserved by Philo Dibble of Springville, Utah. Dibble later made a copy of the drawing in 1884 which he then gave to Matthew W. Dalton, which this is the drawing that he gave to them. It's not the original. Um, it must still be in the possession of the family. I'm not sure. But um, it, so Dalton published it in 1906 and Dalton states that Dibble informed him. Um, the prophet said that, that in the drawing sphere A represented the earth and that the 10 tribes were on the sphere B, uh, the sphere marked B. He did not state the purpose for C, but others have thought it was the location of the city of Enoch. Anyway, so this is all supposition. And there, you know, things when they get passed down through telephone can change, right? We all know that game. But the drawing um, that was given to him, this this was a copy of it that Philo Dibble had in his possession that um, he claimed that the prophet Joseph Smith gave to him. Um, Joseph Smith drew the original drawing a short time before his death or in 1842 in the presence of several witnesses. Philo Dibble of Springville, Utah was one of these witnesses and secured the drawing. In the month of May of the year 1884, he made a copy thereof for me, like we just talked about. Um, at the time the original drawing was made, the brethren were discussing the disappearance of the 10 tribes and wondering where they were, upon which the prophet made the drawing and stated that the 10 tribes were located on the sphere marked B. Um, some may or even do doubt the truth of the diagram um, and even the statement of how the diagram was obtained, yet it is nevertheless true. It was drawn in the presence of uh, William Sarah Beecher and myself in the year 1884 by Philo Um Anyway, it goes on to talk about his son and anyway, that they were notarized in, in public that it was, was the drawing. So that, that it was a copy of that exact drawing. Um, so anyway, so just take it for what it is. Um, it is not, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that's come down through a family line. And, but I think it's really interesting because as, the, as it shows that there's, there's three spheres that have a, 
a connecting plasma column um, between each of them. And I don't know what exactly that means, but is that what it's going to look like in the in or could be? Is it a possibility that it might look like that in um, in the future? I don't know. Or what each sphere means? I don't know. But it's really interesting because the tilt of the tilt of that is exact tilt of the the Earth. I think what it, I don't know. If it's, it's, I yeah, think it's okay. 22 and a half degree uh, that it lists there. It's close to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, to the tilt of the earth. So anyway, just for your information, um, and maybe later we could talk about some other statements that the prophets have made about the cosmological statements. Um, I think there's another chapter coming up after we talk about revelations. So we'll maybe go into it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. The main okay. takeaway for me tonight on on that specific thing was that they uh, that that came in answer to a question. Uh, all of those elders were wondering about a topic, and and God comes to us, like you said in in the very beginning of the podcast, that unless we're asking questions, unless we're seeking His mysteries and and His things, that we're not necessarily going to get answers. Like he's not just going to force himself upon us and say, okay, here's all the diagrams of the universe and this is how you create worlds or, or what's <laughs> going to happen prior to the second coming. But when we start asking specific questions and having answers, the Lord is so willing to come and reveal pieces until we're ready for the whole. And um, so just ask questions all the time. Just constantly be in prayer asking god questions as they come up that the spirit will lead you and guide you in what questions you should ask and and how you might uh, get further light and knowledge i think that that's one of the biggest takeaways for me is never be scared to ask questions um because uh, he's so loving and, and willing to to lead us wherever yes. we're at and to ask for witnesses several witnesses i often ask can i have another one can i see this somewhere else can i see it in the in a way that that makes sense to me you know mm. um and you and you will you'll you'll see it different places and um uh that that it's not that our relationship with with each other and with the lord and with other planets isn't some far distant like yeah we're kind of connected by gravity there is definitely something there that's more um based on on our 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 relationship with the Lord and our connection to each other than some weak force. Um, and it can change because uh, based on our choices and on what the Lord wants to do. So we got to break out of that paradigm that there can't be a, a stacked planets in some sort of configuration like that. And that was a really big mind blower for me. Like, okay, I got to get over that, you know, very ancient theory that now I'm like, that's so stupid. Why did I ever believe that? <laughs> now it's, it's much more like, okay, this is, this is, I can see it all over in scripture. I see it all over in the temple. I see it in my relationship with the Lord. It's like, I see it in my relationships with my family or anybody I walk into the room with, like I'm connected to them in a way that's, that's not based on any kind of gravitational principle. It's much mm -hmm. more of a plasma principle. So yeah, I love that. Um, so any other 
kind of final things before we wrap up. Um, just kind of pointing forward to, to next time. Uh, we will just take a couple weeks off as uh, we go through the holidays. And we'll pick back up again um, the first part of January. But uh, next time we will be looking at Chapter 7. So again, we highly encourage people uh, to... Uh, Read along with us. Uh, read chapter 7 before you listen to the next podcast so that you can uh, see all of the different defining terms and, and perspectives that Anthony is presenting there. And uh, our, our next podcast will just be a discussion of the book of Revelation and, and some of the interesting cosmological um, witnesses uh, there that we can pull out and, and apply for the end times. Uh, it's such a, a masterful work, right? Uh, Isaiah and Revelation are kind of my two loves <laughs> at the moment. And they're, they're plain books. The, yeah. They've been said that they're the most plain book. Well, how is that unless yeah. we see it with <laughs> eyes that, that have prophetic understanding, right? Mm -hmm. it's so awesome. exciting. Yeah, I love it. There, there's so much to be uh, had and, and prepared for there. So anyway... Uh, thanks again for, for listening and, and putting up with all of our <laughs> tangents that we uh, go down. Uh, hope that this is helpful. And, and again, please continue to, to ask us questions or uh, different things that you would like us to cover or answer in these podcasts. Um, uh, there on learningzion.com slash cosmism. Uh, there's a form at the bottom of the page where you can uh, provide us feedback. Let us know how we're doing or how we can improve and uh, better introduce uh, this paradigm shift to you and um, help you along your journey and and we so that we can learn from you as well if you have any corrections for us and uh, tell us straight up uh, how we might uh, uh, learn and, and grow together so yeah uh, we are excited for um, this holiday season we hope all of you uh, spend lots of good quality time with your family and friends and, and loved ones and and as we light the world um, in very real and tangible ways. I, yes. You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> seeing that in an even greater cosmological perspective <laughs> these days. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see you Christmas. on the flip side. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm.